You're listening to The John Moore Show on ESPN Central Texas. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's, been, it's been so much fun to be a part of this team just because I think we have done a remarkable job. And I'm, re- I'm not really sure why. I mean, I've got, you know, this is one of those things that once all this is over, we'll sit down as a staff and we'll talk about, okay, why did, why did these players handle this so well? You know, and was it something we did? Was it something they did? Was it some kind of, you know, innate character trait that this team has? Was it the leadership of the team? Just, you know, we'll kind of go back and try to figure out a way to, to bottle it in a lot of ways. Now back to today's JMO Radio Show from the Allen Samuel Studios. Here's the voice of the Bears, John Morris and Aaron Sexton. Back with us, that's Sonny Dykes, head coach of the undefeated 12-0 and third-ranked TCU Horn Frogs playing in the Dr. Pepper Big 12 championship game coming up on Saturday, Saturday morning at AT&T Stadium in Arlington against now 10th-ranked Kansas State. Let's talk about a great showcase for the Big 12 on Saturday. College game day will be there uh, ahead of the game on ESPN. We welcome in the longtime color analyst for TCU. Our good friend John Denton joins us. And John, uh, we were just talking off air. Busy week, uh, not just leading up to the game, but tickets and preparation and basketball tonight, all that going on. But, uh, man, isn't it fun? It, it is great fun. You know, I mean, this time last year, uh, we were pretty much packing up uh, football season at TCU and, you know, putting away all the files and, you know, hoping, uh, hoping that Sonny Dykes and his new crew, who had been hired all of one day before, um, <laughs> we were hoping, okay, maybe we can get this thing back back on track, maybe win six or seven games, get to a bowl game, and and uh, kind of start rebuilding the program. But, boy, things things have happened quickly. And, yeah, here we are uh, the end of November and, you know, early December trying to get ready for a Big 12 championship game and, you know, all of the things that go along with it, as you well know. I mean, it was a great – Great win last year for the Bears in the Big 12 championship game. Hoping that the uh, the Frogs can follow their private school brethren down that path here on Saturday. There you go. It was great for us. It really was. Uh, and, but for you guys, how about that in one year? I mean, look at, as you said, where you were this time last year to where you are now. That's pretty amazing with the coaching change and all the changes that took place to be uh, sitting here at 12-0 and 0 right now. Yeah, really, as you heard Sonny a minute ago saying, you know, they're going to sit down and try to figure out, you know, what it was and how you bottle it. And, you know, I think a lot of it is, you know, you everybody works hard. Everybody prepares. Uh, you got to get a bit, little bit lucky, especially in the injury department. And uh, we're as healthy as we've been probably at this point in the year uh, since 2014 when we had that, that really good team that, you know, lost the one game to Baylor. But, I mean, really uh, just – just uh, you know, it's one of those things where I think the wave broke uh, the frogs' way. We got lucky a couple of times. Obviously, got away, um, you know, barely by the skin of our teeth a couple of weeks ago in Waco. And you know, those those kind of seasons require that kind of kind of luck. And um, you know, I think frogs have, have stayed healthy. Uh, they've played well, and in certain spots, uh, they've been lucky. And I don't know how you bottle that, John, or or not, but. Um, I will say that um, you know a lot, lot of uh, things have changed around here, and uh, the one thing that hasn't changed a whole lot is our roster. I mean, it's basically about to 85% uh, 
uh, rate. It's it's all the same players that that went five and seven last year. And I think uh, you know the system and Sonny has brought in and the defensive group, uh, Joe Gillespie and his bunch. They've done a good job getting guys in the right places and making some adjustments. And the, and the kids have really responded very well. What's the difference? You say, you know, mainly the same players from last year. Uh, obviously, a coaching change, there's going to be changes. And I don't mean this as a negative on Gary Patterson at all, but but what is the difference that has led to this, you know, marked improvement in just one year? Well, I, you know, I think a, a couple of things. Number one, you know, they, they changed up everything about the program. You know, I mean, the, the, the culture's different. I mean, they get up early now. They work out in the mornings as opposed to the afternoon. Uh, I think that does a couple of things. Number one, it, it gives the kids more time uh, after class to get back in the training room. It also, you know, once they have dinner and if they've got a night class or get their homework done, they know they've got to get to bed early because they've got to be back over at the locker room and the training room at 6 a.m. to start getting ready for early practices. So I think that change in the team clock, if you will, has uh, has made a difference. Uh, kids are kids are fresher. Uh, I think they probably absorb more. Sonny thinks they, you know, you learn better early in the morning when you're fresh, and that certainly can't be argued with 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 the results so far. But uh, the other thing is just the the emphasis on um, you know or refocus on nutrition and boy they are really really pointed on on getting kids healthy and you know if they're if you're not quite 100 percent you know they're not going to ask you to work out they're going to put you in the training room and try to get you well and i mean quentin johnston is probably the biggest biggest example of that i mean ever ever since the west virginia game i mean he's he spent the week in the training room and then tried to play on saturday and would re-aggravate the ankle and go back into the training room uh, he's about back to normal now because uh, following the Baylor game, uh, he spent the whole week in the in the training room and then did not see action at all against Iowa State, and so now he's had almost two weeks, you know, of of treatment and uh, time in the training room to get that ankle well, and he's he's back to 100%. So I think a combination of those things, plus you've had some guys that that have stepped up and had incredible years, and I think you know Max Duggan's probably the the biggest example of that. Yeah, funny to think that uh, start of the season, Max Duggan wasn't your number one quarterback. <laughs> Chandler Morris started the year, and when he went uh, went down, went out, uh, Max Duggan stepped in, and, man, he grabbed the reins, didn't he? What a great, great season for him. Well, you know, Max, Max is a guy that, um, you know, has really done a great job as far as, uh, you know, just stepping up and, you know, yeah, I mean, he took it hard, you know, not being named the starter at the end of fall camp. Chandler Morris, frankly, had had a better spring and, you know, looked to the coaches to be the guy that would enable them to to do a little bit more of what they want to do with the passing game. Chandler Morris has is, is got a great arm. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's very good, but uh, went down about halfway through that Colorado game in the season opener and, Max was ready. He he told Sonny, you know, I, I respect your your decision. I'm going to be the best backup I can be. And he didn't have to wait long. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that has made uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 38 starts now. And uh, he's been the difference in some games and has really improved his downfield passing accuracy. And, uh, you know, that's that's been a big part of it, not to mention that, you know, he's got it. I mean, he's he's a leader in this offense, and 
this team will follow him. And, uh, you know, he, he can make plays with his legs. And now that, uh, you know, he's proven he can make plays with his arm. He's 67% passing. He's only thrown three interceptions all year. Uh, just, you know, has done, done a great job and has really enabled uh, Garrett Riley and this offensive staff to, to broaden the, uh, the breadth of this, uh, this offense and, and what, they're, what they're able to do. And I still don't think they're all the way through the playbook. I still think there's more to be seen. And, uh, you know, if they've been keeping any powder dry, John, <laughs> this week is the week to pull it out and, and make it go to work. Yeah, nah. John Denton, our guest, TCU color analyst, uh, former uh, Horn Frog letter winner himself. Uh, and what do you remember about that game, October twenty second, thirty eight twenty eight win by TCU over Kansas State? Uh, as you look at a rematch on Saturday, what stands out in your mind from that first meeting? Well, I tell you what. Number one is uh, Kansas State just came out and, and hit TCU in the mouth. I mean, it was it was twenty eight to ten about halfway through the second quarter, and uh, it was not looking good. Now. Uh, that's a game where, you know, the Frogs knocked Adrian Martinez out of the game. And Will Howard, that was really kind of the beginning of the, the Will Howard reign uh, this season for Kansas State. And, you know, that's turned out to much like TCU's uh, quarterback situation where uh, you had an injury force another guy into the game and into the offense. Uh, it's kind of been a blessing in disguise for them. But Frogs, um, you know, I think that game turned – Right before halftime, Frogs went on a 91-yard march for a touchdown to score, you know, to cut it to 28-17, to and then the Frogs got the ball to start the second half and went 75 yards for a touchdown. And all of a sudden, you know, with basically all of the second half to play, it was a four-point game, and the Frogs added 14 more and never, never looked back. But, you know, that, that was a game where Kansas State suffered a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball. Uh, Deuce Vaughn missed a quarter of that game. Uh, they they lost a couple of linebackers in that game, and you know I think they're probably as healthy as they've been all year. Now they've gotten some guys back down the stretch, and I think the frogs are as healthy as as they've been pretty much since uh, the start of the season. So I think you're going to see both these teams at full power, but um, you know I think a lot of it's going to come down to you know can the Kansas State offense stop TCU's offense, and conversely, can TCU's defense handle this new look will howard kansas state offense that you know suddenly has discovered the passing game a little more they've gone to the quick game they've gotten their tight ends more involved um, and not to mention all the other wide receivers malik knowles and and some of those other um receivers that they've got philip brooks and some of them that you know they've got a lot of weapons to throw at you and it's going to give the, the tcu defense uh some challenges and in spots some fits because, you know, Deuce Vaughn is going to get his. Yeah. Hey, tell me your thoughts on this, and you're a lot closer to it than I am, but TCU undefeated 12-0, and number three in the CFP. If it were to be uh, the first loss of the season, if Kansas State were to win on Saturday, what's your thinking about TCU having enough, uh, you know, having enough juice to stay in the top four and, and be one of the four teams in the playoff? Well, you know, I think number one, I mean, uh, you know, I think everybody at TCU is still a little bit sensitive from, you know, eight years ago getting dropped from three to six. And, you know, I think in the TCU camp, everybody feels like, you know what, just, you know, like you do on the golf course out there in Ridgewood, you, you know, you, you pull out, you pull out a five iron and you, you take, you take trouble out of play. 
you know, and I think that's, that's what the frogs have to do as well is, is you know, just go ahead and win and, and make sure. it easy on the committee. You know, now, you know, let's let's say that, you know, it turns into a fist fight on Saturday and the frogs end up losing by a field goal or something. I, you know, I think, you know, a, a close competitive loss to the number 10 team in, in the poll um, might still get the frogs in, but you know, that a lot of things would have to happen in other games to kind of solidify their spot. Now, you know, it's interesting how suddenly a lot of these experts around the country are all saying, well, you know, now TCU is, you know, run the table. You know, a one-loss TCU team, you know, deserves to be in. And maybe they do, maybe they don't. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that the committee will do what's right. I think that, um, that you know, TCU – with their strength of schedule and strength of record and all the other metrics that the committee is supposed to be, you know, paying attention to, John will will uh, go ahead and if the frogs should stumble, insert them as a one-loss team, and then uh, you know let Alabama, Ohio State, USC, you know whoever else duke it out for that that fourth spot. But I know up here in Fort Worth, everybody's thinking, you know what, better just go ahead and win and uh, not be left to the jury, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way to end that discussion. Uh, final subject for you. Uh, you are about to start transitioning into a new role. Uh, no more radio broadcasts for you at the end of this school year. I, I'm not uh, speaking out of school here, right? You, you've made this public already? No, no yeah. I, uh, I announced that I was going to retire from TCU back earlier in the fall and Kind of interesting timing, John. Not long after that, um, our NIL group, which is called the Flying T Club, which is you know in accordance with all the NCAA regs and everything, that is a off-campus separate nonprofit organization, and uh, they've done a really good job of as you know a group of volunteers raising money to to help support the NIL cause at TCU, and they approached me about being their executive director and. Um, I wasn't sure that that was something I wanted to do, but the more I talked to them, and obviously, you know, with me going to retire from the university, uh, you know, was looking for something to do. I wasn't sure what. Sure. But anyway, we came to terms, and uh, in January, I'll I'll uh, start as the executive director of the Flying T Club, and as a result, um, I was also talking with Brian Estridge, my broadcast partner, many years at. Probably next year was going to be my last year on the air anyway. That would have been 35 years on the on the um, football radio crew. But um, as it turns out, that due to some compliance concerns and whatnot with me being involved with our NIL group moving forward, uh, we decided in, in talking with our AD, Jeremiah Donati, that I'll make this my last year on the broadcast. So uh, I'll finish out the football season, and I'll also finish out – the current basketball season until my uh, broadcast contract with Learfield runs out May 31st, and then then that'll be it. So it's um, it's been been a great run. I mean, you you and I are contemporaries. We've been doing this a long, long time, but uh, it was something that I've been talking about for a while. And next fall, I'm going to be able to go to uh, a TCU game at home and sit with my wife, Linda Denton, for the first time in our lives. Uh, she's always been in the stands, and, and I've always been up in the broadcast booth, and I know you can relate to that. 
So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it sounds like a great move. It really is, especially the part of sitting with your wife at a game. So yeah. uh, we're going to miss you in the, the broadcast circles, but know you'll still be around and uh, know you're always welcome in Waco. If the, if the Baylor-TCU game a few weeks ago was your last football broadcast of Baylor-TCU, that was a memorable game for you, wasn't it? <laughs> it, it definitely was. I, I tell you, uh, uh, I've had a lot of people go, how did you know that, you know, this was the year to, you know, to hang it up? And I'm like, nobody knew anything. I've got, you know, I was hoping, like I said earlier, the Frogs could win seven and maybe I could finish up in a <laughs> in a bowl game. And uh, they've certainly, you know, I think, you know, it's like going to the uh, – Going to the ice cream store and you only ordered a, a single dip and you got you got four dips, you know. And they said, "Don't worry about it; it's on us." And you know, Sonny Dykes and his crew, yeah, taking us on a heck of a run. And hopefully, hopefully, we got two or three more games to go. Yep. Well, good luck on Saturday. Uh, you know, I appreciate you and your friendship, and great to visit with you. And uh, look forward to your game against K State on Saturday. All right. Well, we'll be there. And, uh, John, appreciate you having me on. Appreciate your friendship as well. And look forward to seeing you during hoops with uh, the great Pat Nunley. That sounds great. All right. John Denton of the TCU Radio Network, longtime color analyst, stepping down from the radio work at the end of this year. But he'll still be around uh, heading up the NIL uh, collective for TCU. Let's take a break. We'll be back. Final segment when we return. John Morris Show brought to you in part by Kaleo Wealth Management. Check out the podcast from Joe Kaleo, Your Money and a Cup of Joe. That is Kaleo Wealth Management. John Morris, Aaron Sexton, we're back after this here on ESPN Central Texas.